Uh, I guess it's an interesting time of year, December 29th today. Is that right? December 29th? Yeah. So the end of a year and almost the beginning of a new year, and it's usually about these times of the year that people start to think about New Year's resolutions. And I don't know if you're the sort of person that has New Year's resolutions. I'm not at all. I don't. I, I try to avoid them as much as I can. It's an interesting, I don't know, if you've been around churches for long enough you've, and you've, you've gone to church around this time of the year, you've probably heard people talk about New Year's resolutions um, in the past and there's all sorts of different tacks that you, can, that you can talk about it. But I guess it's interesting that there's something about the change of a year that gets us excited about the idea of a fresh start. I think that we like thinking about fresh starts. And maybe you're pretty excited um, about 2014, Possibly just because it's not 2013. That could be the only reason that it's exciting is because it's not 2013. Um, maybe there's things that you'd like to leave in the past from this year. Things that were difficult. Or perhaps you had a pretty good 2013, but you just want your 2014 to be a better one. And I think that's fairly normal and okay to want next year to be good, to want it to be a good year. And there's nothing really wrong with that. Um, there's something really nice and practical about making a change at the start of a new year. But really, when you're thinking about 2014, if you're making uh, a New Year's resolution or if you're making plans or something like that, really what we're talking about is talking about the future, thinking about the future. And when it comes to thinking about the future, I'm not sure about you, but I tend to lean towards one of two extremes. I either... Uh, demonise the future or I romanticise it. We either think that it's going to be terrible, which probably expresses itself in some kind of anxiety or worry about what's going to happen next year, or we think that it's going to be great, which inspires some excitement. And really, I guess what that means is that we're either optimists or pessimists when it comes to the future. Perhaps you're neutral, and there's probably going to be some things about next year that you are incredibly neutral about. Maybe not much is changing at all, and so there's not much to think about. But there might be some things which you know may or may not be coming, which make you a bit nervous or a bit excited. And both of these inclinations, either being optimistic or a bit pessimistic, I think that both of them are okay as long as they're held in check. But it is possible sometimes for the way that we think about the future to become destructive. Planning ahead and thinking about the future is something that we should definitely do. The Bible's pretty clear all throughout the Bible, particularly in Proverbs, it talks about the importance of planning ahead, uh, the benefits of it, and also the requirements of, of God. God wants us to do it. So we've got a couple of verses here from Proverbs. We'll turn that thing on. Here we go. So we'll start with Proverbs 10.4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So you can see there's an idea, idea there about making sure that you're preparing for the future. Interestingly, though, for that verse, the preparation for the future is something that you're doing today. And that's something that I'm going to keep coming back to this morning. Preparing for the future should actually entail doing something today. Wishful thinking, thinking about the future uh, and not doing anything can be a fairly pointless exercise. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not, sit, uh, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Makes sense, doesn't it? If you're going to go and buy a house, you want to make sure that you can afford that house. And Proverbs 6, 
Uh, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any thief, officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So we can see from these passages that God wants us to think about the future. God wants us to be responsible and to plan for the future. But it can appear if you go to other places in the Bible, there, there might be some kind of small contradiction. Um, because we've got some other passages here. Let's look at James 4.13 first. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And then Proverbs 16 says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And in Ephesians, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So it's important to recognize here that we kind of have two different ideas, but they're actually not contradictory. They work together. They work in tandem, and you need to hold them in tension. Um, I've discussed it a couple times in the past, that there are ideas in the Bible that you need to hold in tension. You can't go to one extreme. You can't say, God's will be done, and sit down and just wait. God doesn't want you to do that. Okay? You'll probably die unless someone comes and gives you some food. You need to do stuff. You also can't say, whatever I do is going to be God's will and I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm going to fight against, perhaps, God's will. Okay? So there's this tension there where we want to be making plans and being responsible but also being flexible and praying and submitting our plans to God and thinking about the future with God's will in mind. God wants us to think about and plan for the future, but we should recognise, importantly, we should recognise that we have limited control. Or really, we have no control over what the future holds. We don't have any. And I think that a lot of the anxiety and the worry and the stuff about thinking about the future that really gets to us is because we have an illusion of control. We think that we're in control when we're not. We should be more interested in doing His will rather than focusing on our own will and making our own will kind of come to fruition. And it's exactly this which helps us not to be anxious. When we think that things are in our control, that's anxiety-inspiring. It was a great series that Peter put together on anxiety this year. If you weren't here, or even if you were here, perhaps this time of the year when you've got a bit of time and you're thinking about 2014, perhaps it's a good idea to go and revisit some of that stuff, to think about 2014 in light of the fact that Jesus is in control. And it's the words of Jesus in Matthew 6 that help to put it in perspective. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you a little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, the question is, how are you feeling about 2014? Have a think about it now. How are you feeling about next year? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you scared? Are you worried? Are you filled with the energy of a new year with new experiences? Or is it scary to think about the unknown that might be in 2014? I think that New Year's resolutions can be good. They can be really great. But there's a pretty important thing to consider when it comes to New Year's resolutions. First of all, making a change in the new year is going to require you actually doing something. I think that sometimes New Year's resolutions, we kind of think that something magical happens on December 31st and we're going to wake up a new person and everything's going to be better and all of our problems are going to be automatically fixed. But that's not the way that it works. If you're excited about the concept of a fresh start, if you want something to change, it's important to realise that you're going to be a part of that change. Now, God works the change in us, but we're co-workers, we're co-labourers with Christ. And as we say here often at the project, when we're talking about biblical counselling, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you want something to change, you get help and you do something. It's foolish to think that just because it's a new year that some kind of dramatic change is going to magically occur in your life. And perhaps you've had the same New Year's resolution for the last 10 years. If that's the case, chances are you're not actually doing anything. Okay? God changes us, but we work with him. You cannot just sit back and say, God, I want to be wiser next year or make me more fit. God wants us to be wise and God wants us to be healthy. But the majority of the time, he doesn't come in and override our will. Okay? It's actually life that does that to us. As an example, let's say a young girl wants to get married. She's 17, she's got a boyfriend, she's really, really keen to get married. Um, what's something that she's going to need for her marriage? Well, there's plenty of things. Uh, a big one is patience. I think patience is pretty high on the list when it comes to marriage, right? Patience within a marriage is extremely important. You're not always going to get what you want. And you're not going to get it when you want it. So if the 17-year-old is impatiently complaining about wanting to be married, and as soon as they turn 18, they force the ring, they force the man to hold the ring and put it on the finger and say, we're getting married, I'm 18, then to some extent, they've squandered the opportunity to learn patience. They've squandered an opportunity to learn something important before they've gotten married. It's a bit of a tendency that we can have sometimes to want to fast through, forward through painful times. But it's the painful times and the boring times and the annoying times and the irritating times, the times where we're working hard and we don't feel like we're getting anywhere that actually make us who we are. Does that make sense? The young girl can say, it's pointless to wait. It's pointless to sit around here. But if all the godly counsel around her and her parents and everyone's saying, it's not ready, you're not ready, it's not time, God will use all those things. God uses all things together. And often, training in a particular area will involve the stretching and the testing of that area. 
If you want God to make you more humble, then prepare to be taken down a notch. If you want to become more tolerant, then prepare to meet people that require tolerance. If you want to be more generous, then expect people to come and start asking things of you. We often try to minimise or completely avoid pain. Periods of boredom or toil or waiting. But often it is the days that we want to skip which are the days that God wants to use the most. James 1 spells it out pretty clearly. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So, what does this whole idea do for the concept of New Year's resolutions? Are they a good idea or not? Well, I think any resolution you have, run it through those verses and you can start to realise that making plans for the future is good, but we've got to make sure we don't hold on to those plans too tightly because if you've not experienced it yet, I'm sure you will one day, God has other plans a lot of the time. It's not so much the planning for the future, however, it's not necessarily this idea of planning that I really want to focus on this morning. It's actually the way that we think about the future and time in general. Because the way that we spend our time is very important to God. He wants us to use it well. But what does that mean, to use our time well? Some people are really, really good at planning, incredible planners, always thinking ahead and planning for the future. If you were um, alive and aware of what was going on in the year 1999, there was a whole bunch of planning for a possible future that didn't happen. The Y2K thing Nothing happened, and then people just had lots of bottled water to drink for a while, which was, I guess there's benefits to things. I remember having a whole thing of bottled water at mum and dad's house. Dad's like, oh, it's got nothing to do with me. That's your mother. She's wanting to prepare. (laughs) But that's good. It can be good. It can be good to prepare for the future. It can be okay. But can you see how, with the Y2K example, planning for the future could easily become an obsession, a preoccupation about something which might not even happen, which could actually start to affect your present. It could actually start to come in and affect what you're doing today. It's possible for thinking about the future to become such a preoccupation that planning for tomorrow comes at the expense of today. We should be really careful that we do not forsake today for the possibility of tomorrow. That we lose today for what may or may not happen tomorrow. And I think that we all have a tendency to do this sometimes, but one of the examples that I see really often, because I'm a teacher, is high school kids. What do they want to do? They want to be out of high school. They want to be gone. They want to be 18 and out of home and no responsibilities, but that's really way more responsibilities than they know what they're talking about. Is that right, you guys that have graduated? Now you've got to find houses and find cars and find jobs. But it's weird, teenagers often just want to get out of school, and if they could fast-forward it, they probably would, or they'd be tempted to press the button on the remote. Or maybe, it's not just younger people, maybe you've got something coming up in your life that you'd like to fast-forward to. Uh, My wife's pregnant, I think five weeks to go or something, and this stage in the pregnancy, people say it just drags on and on and on and on. I don't know what it's like to be her, but it's dragging on a little bit for me, but not not as much as I'm sure it is for her. And people just want to fast-forward, just get through that bit get me to the happy times. Don't you think, though, it's crazy? 
those of you that are a bit older, and I'll even count myself there, I'm 27, so just over the hill, but don't you think it's crazy how young people want to be older? How young people want to get out of school? And a lot of us are just like, man, I would love to be younger again. I would love to go back to school. Not maybe the same school, but you would love the, the, the opportunity to go back and really live your youth because you didn't feel like you did it last time or you made some big mistakes. But interestingly, that leads to the next point. The way that we think about the future can be dangerous and the way that we think about the past. How many of you would like to rewind? It's, you've got to be careful because the older I've become the more temptation there is for me to dwell on the past and kind of want to relive it and become a little bit obsessed. Just like you can become obsessed about a possible future, you can become obsessed with a really great past or a really wasted past. See, what we lose sight of in all of these situations is that God is in the present. God is the God of right now. Now, God is outside of time. And so God is active in the past and was active in the past and the future. But the time at which you intersect with God's will is right now, is today. And that's what matters. It's good to be planning for tomorrow, but God is the God of right now. It's good to, be remem- to remember and be thankful for the past, but God is the God of right now. It's now that matters. Tomorrow hasn't happened and yesterday is gone. The only time in which you can actually do anything which has a true impact on eternity, anything that actually truly matters, is right now. Because it's the only time that you can do anything. The danger comes when we go further than just planning or remembering and we start obsessing. And this is a pretty cliched term, but we should actually focus on living in the moment. And that's what everyone says, right? Live in the moment. And a lot of the time, live in the moment uh, or YOLO, Uh, you only live once, it's kind of used as a little excuse to do whatever you want and do some really dumb stuff, right? Okay. But living in the moment includes thinking about if this is going to break my arm and I shouldn't do it in the future because that future will be the moment pretty soon and then you'll have a broken arm. So you've got to think about it. There's a really, um, if you know me, if you've been here before, I can't help but quote some Lewis. So there is a big chunk of C.S. Lewis coming up. It's from the Screwtape Letters. The Screwtape Letters is written, um, it's, a, it's a fictitious uh, set of letters where a demon is writing to another demon and saying how to best mess around with humans. And so in this passage, when you see the word enemy, it's talking about God. And when you see us and what, what would be best for us, it's talking about demons. So you can kind of flip the whole thing on its head. Lewis talks about this whole idea of thinking about the future really well in Screwtape. The humans live in time, but our enemy, that's God, destines them to eternity. He therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things, to eternity itself and to that point of time which they call the present. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. I love that. It's a great way of saying it. The present, right now, this is the point in which time touches eternity. He would therefore have them continually concerned either with eternity, which means being concerned with him, or with the present, either meditating on their eternal union with or separation from himself, or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. To be sure, the enemy wants men to think of the future, just so much as is necessary for now planning the acts of justice or charity, which will probably be their duty tomorrow. 
The duty of planning the morrow's work is today's duty. Though its material is borrowed from the future, like the duty, like all duties, is in the present. This is not straw splitting. He does not want men to give the future their hearts, to place their treasure in it. So important. But we do. That's the demon speaking. We do. We want a man hag-ridden by the future, haunted by visions of an imminent heaven or hell upon earth, ready to break the enemy's commands in the present if by doing so we can make him think he can attain the one or avert the other, dependent for his faith on the success or failure of schemes whose end he will not live to see. We want a whole race perpetually in pursuit of the rainbow's end, never honest nor kind nor happy now, but always using as mere fuel wherewith to heap the altar of the future every real gift which is offered them in the present. I love that last bit of that, this idea that we're not happy now, we're thinking about the future, and we actually sacrifice some of the great things that we have now to the idea of a possible future. That we're not making the most of what we have now because we're thinking about the future. Something that seems impossible to communicate to students. They don't believe you that school is good. They don't believe you that they're having fun. They don't believe you that they're going to miss this time. Some of them do. And some of them miss it, I assume. I know I do. That's why I came back to school. But it's this obsession with the future which leads to the modern tragedy of wasted lives. Uh, it's, it was difficult for a person to waste their life 100 or 200 years ago because you were very busy with the business of surviving. You know, It was difficult to have a wasted life because if you just actually wasted it, then you would probably die. You, nothing would happen. But now, through the wonders of modern technology, we have developed countless little tools and devices, all created with the intention of distracting us. Just distracting us. TVs, mobile phones, video games, even books. They all serve the purpose of distraction. Notice I'm not saying that they're inherently evil things. They're not. All of them serve a purpose, and entertainment is not an evil thing in and of itself. However, when it comes down to it, at their core... They're not real things. They distract us from reality. Maybe you've been out to dinner and you've seen people sit down at dinner and they pull their phones out and they take pictures of their food and then they put that online and then they talk about who they're with and they update that on Facebook and then they take pictures of the people they're with and then they eat their food and leave and they've never actually discussed anything except for what the other people are doing on Facebook that they saw. They're not actually there. They're actually kind of not there. They're, they're, they're somewhere else. They're in this pretend world that they see through little screens. I've asked some of my students before how easily they fall into the trap of waking up and then just distracting themselves until they go to sleep again. It's almost as if sleep is the purpose and we just have to get through this day bit so that we can go to sleep again. The way that some people talk about sleep does seem like that. So at this time of the year when we consider an upcoming year, it is important to reflect on the past year, to stop for a moment and think, how have you grown this year? Have you grown this year? What have you seen God do in you and what have you seen God do through you? What were some challenges and how did you overcome them? What have you done? How have you changed? When you think about it, hopefully you'll realise that it was always in the present that you were changing. 
It was the process which resulted in the change. And some of those painful, irritating moments this year that you've had were actually some of the most important ones. Perhaps you've heard the expression before that the journey is the destination. I've heard it many times and it always kind of just escapes me whether or not I understand it or not. But I think that that's what it's about. It's, it's this life of living which is not just about getting to a goal. The goal is every day. The goal is every moment. I don't know if you've seen the movie Click. Uh, it's kind of about this concept. Have many people seen Click before? A couple of you. I'll explain it just so that you know what's going on because it's a bit confusing. A man gets given a remote control which allows him to fast-forward his life or rewind or pause or anything like that. And at first he just fast-forwards small little irritating things like getting stuck in the traffic. And how many of you... Honestly, if you were stuck in the traffic and you had a little fast-forward button, wouldn't be tempted to press it. Particularly if it was a day like today and there was no aircon. That would be rough. But soon he decides to fast-forward to a time when he gets a promotion that he's been going for. Life's pretty tough for him and his family. They don't have a lot of money and it's really stressful at home. It's a really, it's a really difficult time at home and he knows the promotion is coming so he doesn't want to wait. He doesn't want to go through this time. And so... He presses fast forward to when he gets the promotion and he loses an entire year of his life. This goes on and on until pretty much he ends up fast forwarding his entire life. In doing so though, in skipping the little bits, he skips the most important bits. He fast forwards through his relationships as well. I'm going to show you a clip now from towards the end of the movie where his, his father has died and he wasn't there because he was obsessed with his work, because he was always thinking about the future and not actually living in the present. It won't take you there. Take me where? To the moment he died. You weren't there. Of course I wasn't. Can you take me to the last time I saw him, please? Hey, Dad. Sorry to uh, bug you. Would you mind looking at my, uh, my shopping mall design again? This one is cheaper. But if you check this out, You'll see it has Whoa. a much better natural flow. Cheaper one. Like, like I said, I just let me do my email. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Dad. Um, he ain't right. You're a schmuck. Better. Look at it. Surprise. Hey, Grandpa. <laughs> when did you get so handsome? So, Michael, I had a wonderful idea. Your mother's playing canasta with her friends tonight. I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. You, me, and Ben should go and have a boys' night out. Can't. What do you mean you can't? You have to eat sometime. We could go. We could whistle at pretty girls. <laughs> I'm down for that. See? He's down. I don't know what it means, but he's down. <laughs> hey, please. Don't give me that finger. I'll make you a deal. If you come, I'll show you the quarter trick. Will you look at the man? I'll tell you the secret. No, Dad. Don't you want to know how, how you do the stupid trick? I've always known. 
Can you let me do my work? You've always known you're pathetic. I'm so sorry I parched it. I love you, son. See you later, Grandpa. I love you. Dad. Bob. Bob. Too dead. I'll miss you. You know that. Goodbye. It's a pretty cool movie if you haven't seen it. Surprisingly meaningful from Adam Sandler, who I usually make sure students aren't allowed to talk about in my classroom, because I do not like him. But that's a good movie. It's very interesting. Um, it's probably, you know, it's, it's not actually possible for us to fast forward our lives, which I think is a really good thing, because unfortunately, we probably would at some times. I think we'd probably be tempted to do it. It was weird, you know, um, I was looking at stuff on the internet about Click, and I found a Facebook um, page, which was, I wish I had the remote from Click so that I could fast forward my high school. It's like he obviously didn't understand the point of the movie, okay? The movie's all about why that's a dumb idea. While it's not possible to do exactly that, while it's not possible to do exactly that fast forwarding thing, we can actually do stuff that has the same effect. We can have the same effect of that if we spend our time focusing, focusing on and obsessing over the future, on something that hasn't even happened yet instead of living right now. Interestingly, the character who gives him the remote control at the start of the movie, he talks about a leprechaun from a cereal packet. And he says, he's always chasing the pot of gold, but when he gets there, at the end of the day, it's just cornflakes. Which lines up really well with that C.S. Lewis quote, talking about always chasing the rainbow's end. Never happy nor content now. You know, Sondi said it at Christmas Day, and then uh, Steve even said it this morning. It doesn't matter how many times you say Happy New Year. It's not going to make it happy. What will? Well, enjoying it. Actually living it. Not thinking about 2015 as soon as it's January 1st. It doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. But living in the moment is actually what God wants us to do. Ecclesiastes says it really well. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. 
a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I just think it's great that the Bible says it's good to be happy. I do think that sometimes we lose sight of that that you're meant to enjoy yourself and it's okay to enjoy yourself and that it says quite clearly here, eat and drink and find satisfaction. That is a gift from God. So, here's the main points to consider as you go into 2014. Make good plans for good works. First of all, if you're going to make plans, don't make bad plans for bad works. Plan to help other people, to love other people, to provide for and love your family. Submit your plans to God and be ready to accept changes to them. Don't be anxious. God is in control. Do not forsake the present for the possibility of the future or the memories of the past. Work with Jesus. Don't just sit back and expect him to do everything. Enjoy the gift from God according to Solomon. Eat and drink and find satisfaction in your toil. Every day is a new day. You don't have to wait for a new year to have a resolution to have a change to have a fresh start god is the god of new beginnings and that can be at any time you'll pray with me jesus thank you that you love us that you've designed us to be happy and that we don't have to chase a possible future but that we can relax we can actually just relax and enjoy you and enjoy the gifts that you've given us And I pray that this year, 2014, would be a year of relaxing, would be a year where we are not continually striving and working towards a possible future, but that we are able to relax in you, work with you, and enjoy the moments that you give us. Amen.